Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. good evening very sorry it's late isn't it i'm sorry it's late uh i can't believe how late it is i don't know where the time has gone i thought i was going to be okay uh dashed over from theater i can tell you something it is it is um foggy out there so if you're out on the streets people just be careful because it is foggy out there dogs off on one sorry um good evening i uh, hope everyone's not gone to bed uh if you have i hope you watch it on watch it on the um you know replay um if you're there if there's anyone there and you've got any questions you know what to do if you don't know what to do i will tell you what to do this is what you have to do what you have to do is this right what you have to do is please comment and share so if you're watching this uh live feel free to comment and share if you're not watching it live, comment and I will reply. And if you're on the podcast, then I don't know what you can do on your podcast. I suppose you can go to the Facebook page and comment there or give us a ring. Um, so 0121-454-360 is the number. Right. So i uh, got some questions. And if you think of anything, please feel free to... I think that's annoying having that there, so I'm gonna get rid of that. Feel free to chip in at your leisure. Um, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go for my pre-ordained questions, which I have already put. That's why that's why I'm late, you know. It doesn't just this sort of stuff doesn't just happen. There's a lot of preamble, a lot of um a lot of work goes into getting this set up. Um, you know. It's just things like this don't run as slick and smooth as this by just turning up and turning on the turning on the webcam. I get the I get the angle right. I've got to get my microphone. I mean, look at that beast beast of a microphone. I think you'll agree. Um, put all these elasticated bits on it. Let's get the elasticated bits on properly, just in case there's any shock fully absorbing shock that microphone does you know it's got bits like that which do that so all sorts anyway that's what's going on so um khan hello i think that is clapping hands shared sweet that's what more do you want nothing none more that's all you want well what else could you have apart from something in um italian Buonasera, dottor. Tanti auguri per un sereno e felice Natale e lei e familia. Uh, what, do, what does that mean? And that's probably good evening, doctor. Um, best wishes. Um, sereno. I don't know what sereno is. Felice. Is that season's greetings? Season's greetings, but that is Natale. That's Christmas, isn't it? Season's greeting to Christmas for your family. Right back at you, Anna. What you said, I'm going to say straight back to you as well. 
but instead of dottore anna so buonasera dottore same thing all that stuff to you um thank you um come on you haven't come here to chat guys you come here to get your questions answered so let's just get into it shall we let's just get this party started here we go number one exhibit a right exhibit a does that work is that yeah can i have a tummy tuck with low pronunciation yeah is that up yeah so this patient here has been in touch and she said um she wants a tummy tuck with low pronunciation and doesn't is my head oh i've got the having said about the setup right um so um can i change the out there or should i go down um so yes, you can have a tummy tuck under local and sedation. Yes, you can. Um, but, sorry, sorry. That's better, that's better. Um, and I th I, I, there's a, that they're saying, um, almost like they don't want to come to clinic unless we can do it under local insulation so um what i would say is that is quite rare to do a full tummy tuck i'm mean, assuming we're talking about a full tummy tuck here full tummy tuck under local insulation a mini tummy tuck is doable is doable is is quite reasonable to do under local insulation but a full tummy tuck uh, plus liposuction is quite a lot to do under local insulation I have done it. I have done a full tummy tuck with muscle repair and liposuction under local insulation. And um, I say I have done it. I've done it singular. So that is singular. I've only done it once. A full tummy tuck. I've done mini tummy tucks. Uh, I've done a couple of mini tummy tucks under local insulation. But um, but a full under local insulation is quite a, quite a big ask. Um, the patient uh, really didn't want a general anesthetic. So I said, look, you know, okay um and interestingly afterwards she said she would have had a general anesthetic if she had it again i don't think she had a bad time of it but i just think she realized that the local the level of sedation was almost what you'd have for a general anesthetic because she was sort of pretty much asleep um so but it can be done but i wouldn't like to guarantee it can be done so uh what we normally do is we do it in a facility where they have general anesthetic um capability and so when we do cases under local insulation, we say, look, let's see how you get on, especially things like liposuction, because you can feel a bit of movement, a bit of um, pushing and pulling. And if you find it uncomfortable, if you're not uh, enjoying the enjoying is probably not the right word, but if you're not comfortable during the procedure, we can always convert you to a general anesthetic. There's always an anesthetist there anyway. There's an there's an anesthetist to do the to do the sedation and to monitor you during the procedure. And uh what we normally say is, look, if it's uncomfortable for you, we'll just convert to a general anesthetic. But if it's not, then that's fine. And occasionally you have to convert to a general anesthetic, but sometimes it's fine. But I think a local a, a tummy tuck with liposuction is upper end of what can be achieved with local insulation. So I would not like to say that it's going to be a guarantee. The other thing about not wanting to come to clinic unless we can sort of um, accommodate you, um, we do offer what I call a satisfaction guarantee. Coined that myself. Um, Thank you. Um, which means that if we can't, because we do charge for consultations, and I know there are places out there that don't charge for consultations. So um, if you come for a consultation and we can't help you, so if we say to you, look, we can't guarantee this, and you say, look, I want to be guaranteed it, or 
if you're not suitable for surgery or whatever reason, we will refund you the consultation fee because we don't want you to feel like you've not had value for money. We do think, or I do think that we do give value for the consultation fee. But if you feel like you haven't had value for the consultation fee, and particularly if we haven't been able to help you, um, but, you know, it's absolutely fine. For, for uh, we'll, we'll refund the consultation fee, no problem. No questions asked, no quibble, no quibble guarantee. So um, yeah, so it can be done at a local installation, but I think if you're if you want to guarantee that it's going to be a local installation, I think we will probably struggle to guarantee it. Um, oh, here we go. Lisa's in. Lisa's in with a big one. Lisa's got a big one. Hi, I'm five point five weeks, five point five, post op for an uplift and four hundred cc HP implants, and they seem to be already dropping. I have looked at others. I know we shouldn't compare, but mine just look bigger and sagging. I'm worried they are going to get worse. If I could, if I send you a picture, could you give me your view? Yes, I can, um, Lisa. Definitely, definitely do that, Lisa. You know what? I'm going to concurrently get this other screen because I am just screens coming out of my ears here. Um, I'll get a screen. Yep, you do it, do Lisa. Have a look. I'll have a look at it. Um, 5.5 weeks is early days, but I understand what you're saying. If it's saggy, you think, oh my God, it's early days, it's only going to get worse. But um, they do, actually, that's a question I've got actually about things settling. Not so much with the implants. The implants, I mean, 400cc high profile implants are not, uh, you're not messing about with those ones, Lisa. That's, uh, you're, uh, you're, you know, in the big league there. So you should be, should have some fullness there. But, um, what I'll do, Lisa, I've got my Facebook. I don't know if this is going to mess things up by having Facebook on as well while I'm doing this, but time will tell. So I'm going to look out for that. Meanwhile, I'm going to go back to my agenda. I've got an agenda. Yep. Oh, sorry, I should acknowledge. Roxana saying hello. Hi, Roxana. And uh, Lisa say thank you. You're welcome, Lisa. I'll, um, uh, thank you. Thank you for participating. I'll look out for your... Thing and we'll come back to that later in the show. Oh, she's just sent me a picture. Okay. Well, shall I? I'll do this one, Lisa, and then meanwhile I'm doing it. Oh, look, it's off the screen, isn't it? I'll read it out. Um, I had a breast lift and reduction. Oh, is this? No, this is someone else. Oh, wow, look at that. Oh, no, this, is, this isn't with implants. I had a breast lift, um, got it, Lisa, with, um, sorry, I had a breast lift and a reduction in April. I'm really chuffed with my results, but feel like I still need fullness in the upper pole. No, I think it means now I've healed. It's likely they've bottomed. It's likely they've bottomed out. Is that possible? And how long should I wait until further surgery? So this is not Lisa, just to make it clear, this is confusing now. This is someone else. This is a patient who's had a breast lift and reduction, i.e. a breast lift. Uh, oh, actually a reduction, a breast lift is part of a reduction. So this patient that I'm talking about now has not had implants, which is different to uh, Lisa. So we'll talk about Lisa in a second. So um, so there's, there's try not to get, I think the problem with the internet and problem with people, you know, get quite knowledgeable about stuff and, and start using technical terms and things. So don't get too worried and bogged down in technical terms, but bottoming out is a specific technical term, meaning, that there's too much breast below the nipple. Whereas I'm feeling that this is slightly different because this patient's saying they've got, they need fullness in the upper pole. So that's the bit above the nipple has settled. 
into the lower pole, which can actually give quite a natural shape. So bottoming out is often an unnatural shape. There's too much breast below the nipple. Sometimes the nipple look like it's pointing skyward. It can look like the nipple's too high. That's bottoming out. So losing fullness in the upper pole might be, uh, and I've seen actually this patient has sent photos, but wasn't clear whether we could show them. So I, in the, in the, in the, um, if I'm not sure, I just won't show them. Um, but but basically, they, they don't look like they bottom out. They look like they've settled. And I've got to tell you, breast lift, breast, in, uh, breast reduction, the shape settles. Um, the shape settles and you lose that fullness in the upper pole. When you first have it done, they're up there and you think, I'm so happy. This is great. Fantastic. Well, you might think that or you might think, goodness me, they're too um, full. But in time, they settle. They always settle. And so I think in this case, the shape has just settled. So, you know, it's just a, um, a um, limitation of the tissues and what we've got, you know, what we try and make things tight, but tissues give. And the patient's saying, how long should I wait until further surgery? To be honest with you, I would think I wouldn't have further surgery. I mean, if, if you're having further surgery, you tighten them again. They'll tighten, tighten them again and they'll make them sit high again, but then they'll settle again. So um, it's just a limitation of breast reduction. And I try and tell everybody having a breast reduction or a lift that the shape does tend to settle. And um, that's just, that's just, you know, that's what happens when you have a breast reduction or a lift. It's different when you have implants. Implants, you can get sustained fullness in the upper pole and a better shape, but it still settles. And that brings me to Lisa, who just sent me a photo, who's 5.5 weeks post-op. And uh, what does she feel like? She feels like they're, they're bigger and sagging. Yeah. I mean, it's tricky, Lisa. I mean, I think um, what I can see from the photo uh, is that it's an accept. I would say that's an acceptable result of 5.5 um, weeks post-op. I think what we're trying to do is give a natural breast shape. I think a lot of people want fullness in the upper part of the breast. Implants can give fullness in the upper part of the breast. But when you have your own breast tissue, what happens is the breast tissue can settle or sag or whatever you want to call it. That's what I mean. When you don't have implants, it always settles. Even when you have implants, the breast tissue settles. So the bigger your native breast, the bigger your natural breasts are, the more that's going to settle. So actually, paradoxically, maybe it's not paradoxically, but anyway, um, if someone wants sort of like a fake look, if they've already got big big breasts, you you can't really get that fake look with them looking too full with implants because you can put a big high profile or even an extra high profile round implant in, which is a big full implant, but with a natural breast on top of it will tend to settle and actually give a natural shape, which is what I would say you've got there, Lisa. I think you've got a natural shape there and your natural breast is probably settling on top of the implant to give a natural shape. The implant is giving more volume and is giving more fullness than you'd have without it. But um, I sort of see what you mean. Uh, but that is, you know, and, and the other thing we've, we've got to think about is we always look at these things and what have you out of a bra. You know, in a bra, you can do stuff, but you might say, well, I just pay all this money and I don't want to have to wear bras and things like that. But um, but i got to say, um, I think that's a, that's a good result you got there, Lisa. Well, I don't know. I haven't seen a pre-op and stuff like that. But, um, you know, you want a, you want you, you don't want the nipple to sit too high. 
people worry about nipples sitting low and drooping especially when they're having lifts and things but i tell you now if you have a high nipple it's worse so um yeah so i wouldn't worry that they're going to get worse or anything like that i think things will settle the shape will settle i'm not saying they're going to droop more i think things just everything will start to feel a bit different the scars look pretty good from what i can see but the scars will settle and i think just see what's going to happen don't write yourself into a revision operation or anything like that i think just see what's going to happen if you're happy with them now but worried they're going to get worse don't be like that just be happy with them now and just say well, okay maybe they'll stay like that so um yeah, I hope that's helpful, Lisa, but I think it actually looks like a nice result to me, that one. I'm going to give you a thumbs up. There you go. Um, yeah, I hope that's helpful. It's all annoying, that scrolling question, isn't it? Let's scroll for you. Um, question for Tuesday. Lip fillers, how do they work? Does Vicky do them at your clinic? What is the price? How long do they last for? Um Oh, sorry. Uh, Lisa's in. God, I've got so many mice going on here. Um, thank you. Your comments are appreciated. I was worried my nipple was too low. That makes me feel better. I don't think your nipple's too low, Lisa. You've got to look at a lateral view. Look at the pure side view and look at the position of your nipple in, in relation to your inframammary fold, the fold where your bra would sit. It should be about at the level of that, uh, of that um, fold or slightly above it. Um, so I think I think it looks okay. I mean, I'm looking obviously at a frontal view. Um, let's get things going on here. Let's get let's get some technology going on, guys. Uh, we can do that. We can do that. Yeah. I mean, obviously we'll do the lip fillers one. Um, right. Check this out. Check this out. This. Um, Right. Um, let me show you Mastafixi. Where is it? Mastafix. Bear with me. Bear with me. Oh, here's Master. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Let's 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 do this. Let's do this, people. I could probably share that screen somehow, but anyway, let's just put the camera on it. Can you see how uh, the inframammary folds here? So you project a line forward, and the nipple should be here or slightly above it. That's pre-op, and this is after a lift. So the inframammary folds here. So you project a line forward, and the nipple's slightly above it, pointing forwards, maybe a slight upward tilt. So that is a um, uh, that's a mastopexy, and um, you're trying to get the nipple to. Um, Oh God, I've got to set the camera up now. <laughs> Are we good? I need, I need a cameraman, that's what I need. Um, yeah. So you're trying to get the nipple to, to be about the level of the inframary fold, um, or slightly above. So that is what your, yeah. So feel good about yourself, Lisa. I think you got a good result there. I'll be happy with that. Oh, I've got to get everything back on track now. <laughs> oh, double Lisa. Two Lisas. That was Lisa C I was talking to just then. So Lisa N is in the house. So Lisa N. Have you asked a question? No. This is a brochure room book received. Thank you. You're welcome. And I'm looking forward to consultation in the new year. Me too. 
please could you tell me what the BMI, BMI range is for surgery? Lisa, we got. I was just looking if you'd ask a question tonight because we've got a couple of questions about this uh, BMI tonight. Um, but um, mm -hmm. the BMI that we normally work on is 30. Uh, if someone says to me, what BMI should I be? Then I would say 30 is the sort of easy, simple answer. Uh, your BMI is less than 30, you've got less risk of complications. If it's above 30, you've got... A... No. Yeah, if above 30, you've got more risk of complications. Um, but you need to be stable and comfortable with your weight, which is also important. So even if your BMI is below 30, if you want to lose weight, then um, do lose weight before having surgery. So um, I'm assuming you're talking about body contouring surgery. Um, um, so, I mean, not like mole removal or something. So if it's a mole removal, then weight doesn't matter quite so much. But um, so, yeah, 30 is the, oh, sorry, I put the wrong one up. 30 is the, um, is the, is the, is the number. But I'll tell you, Lisa, and if you stay tuned, I'm going to talk a little bit more about BMIs. Um, we've got some questions coming up later in the show uh, about BMIs. So, um, yeah, so stay tuned for that. Uh, Lisa C says, thanks, appreciate them putting me at ease. Please do, please do be put at ease, Lisa. It's a big op, a lift, lift with implants. I've just done two this afternoon, and I've, that's why my back hurts. And um, it was late tonight, and it's a big op, and um, you've healed really nicely. So... Lisa N says it's a breast reduction I'm interested in. Yeah, so that is body contouring a breast reduction, Lisa N. So that is something that you do really need to um, ideally get your weight to BMI below 30. But as I say, I'm going to talk in a minute about doing BMIs on people above 30 because it is possible to do BMIs on above 30. Um, but if you're asking for the ideal, it'd be 30. Number one, absolute value less than 30 is good. But number two, you need to be stable and comfortable with it. So even if it's, as I say, even if it's below 30 and stable and comfortable, then, um, sorry, if you're not stable and comfortable, then you should keep on losing weight. So how do lip fillers work? I, oh no. Oh, I'll answer the question. All right. Yeah, so um, does Vicky do them? Vicky doesn't do lip fillers. It's really interesting lip fillers because, or, or fillers, I suppose, doesn't have to be lip. Um, I guess lip fillers are the common ones. So uh, broadly speaking, in terms of fillers, there's two types of filler in broad terms. Um, um, permanent and temporary. So the classic filler that you would talk when people talk about having fillers is a temporary filler. And it's usually hyaluronic acid, um, which which sort of biodegrades and therefore needs to be repeated. And they last a few months. Now, you can get permanent fillers. Um, and again, subclassifying fillers, you can have natural and synthetic. So the, uh, the most common natural permanent filler is fat. So fat is a, is, is a filler. Um, don't really use it in the lip but often use it in the face and it's permanent but you can have synthetic permanent fillers um, which you sound good because they're permanent but it might be that they you can feel them they can feel hard especially if you're using it in the lip you can, they can get lumpiness and if it's a lumpy or if you don't quite like it or it feels hard then you have to remove it basically because it's permanent so that's the beauty in the way of the temporary ones 
uh, the last few months because if it is a bit lumpy or it's not quite right then at least it's going to dissolve uh, in time oh, i've got a voicemail didn't hear it ring did you weird um so um so the last few months is the answer the classic ones the hyaluronic acid ones um and does vicky do them vicky is the clinic nurse she doesn't do them and, and it's interesting because interestingly fillers are regulated less than botox um because fillers are not classed as a drug so fillers don't need to be prescribed by a doctor so they're, they're a device they're, just, they're classed as a device so anyone can buy them and so that's why you can get them on ebay and goodness knows what and therefore anyone can go around injecting them and, and doing all sorts vicky does botox um but vicky doesn't do fillers fillers to be honest with you are more of a worry than botox um because if you inject it into a vessel into a blood vessel you can cause the blood vessel to block and cause bits of skin to die and all sorts of bad things can happen inject into blood vessel in your eye you know it can travel into your eye and cause blindness also i don't, I don't make it sound terrible but there are you do hear horror stories about fillers so you, you have got to be careful about fillers um curum does them at the, the clinic so the doctors at the clinic do them um uh, azam does as well but so the doctors do fillers um but the uh, but vicky doesn't uh, because you have got to be a bit bit careful with fillers um but obviously they're a very uh, common thing so you find that anytime that something's common people will all jump on and do them but you've got to be, be a bit aware here we go Gemma bundy's in hi Gemma. good to see you here this evening hope you're well um i'm looking to have a tummy tuck early next year how long do you advise to take off work before returning post-surgery do you have to have a catheter how long the drains inside you god these are good questions aren't they god it's almost like i i did that i didn't do it Gemma is I can tell you now is a bona fide member of the public that is nothing to do with me but that is a good good question Gemma almost like I don't know why you think I do my own quest I'm not this is genuine guys what do you think I am some kind of guy that posts my own questions how dare you how very dare you honestly casting aspersions right Gemma um sorry about that um so sorry get that wire out of the way I keep running over it how long do you advise to take off work? Uh, I guess the question is what do you do in terms of are you doing an office-based job or are you doing a manual job? Are you maybe, you know, lifting people or lifting things or, you know, having to do manual things? So um, the first couple of weeks is going to be a bit knockback, Gemma. Tummy tuck's quite a big deal. You're all bent over double and it's quite uncomfortable. Um, I normally say two to three weeks for driving. Uh, if you're working in a job, uh, sometimes if you say I'm going to be off for two weeks or two weeks, a lot of people find it easier to take two weeks off than three weeks, three weeks is quite a big deal. But, um, if you, so two weeks, you might be okay to go back driving and to go back to doing non-heavy stuff. If you're doing an office based job after two weeks, but I'd say to, to be safe, three weeks is safer. Um, so, you know, because sometimes people are still a bit uncomfortable at two weeks. So two to three weeks in terms of driving, in terms of getting back into things, if you were doing the gym and stuff, I'd be saying to you lower body stuff, stepper, nothing, no impact, stepper, um, uh, bike, the exercise bike, you know, no impact stuff after after two to three weeks. Um, in times of in terms of heavy stuff, oh here we go, she's a midwife, Gemma, that's 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 heavy. That is it heavy though? 
Well, it is heavy, isn't it? Because you're going to have to manhandle the, the mothers. So, yeah. Okay. Well, in terms of heavy stuff, there's six weeks. So what I'd say to you, three weeks, um, and I can give you a sick note if that's helpful. Just write surgery on it. Um, three weeks off and then three weeks light duties or phase return. So I don't know if you can do stuff in the office or do stuff that doesn't involve moving people because you won't be very good at moving people or very able to help people if they need to be um, sort of moved about on uh, until about six weeks. Six weeks you can start getting into things. Um, do you have to have a catheter? No, Gemma, you do not have to have a catheter. Sometimes what we do is we do what's called an in and out catheter at the end of the operation. Um, so it goes in, drains your bladder, and then then comes out again. So you don't you don't actually have a catheter catheter left in, um, just to just to empty the bladder because it can be a bit uncomfortable to get onto a bedpan and things immediately post op. And obviously we give you fluid during the surgery, so it can be a bit uncomfortable. So um, we often do a little in and out at the end of op, but uh, we don't unless you have a problem passing urine. We don't give you a catheter that stay the catheter doesn't stay in. Um, and how long do drains inside you? Two days normally, um, Gemma. So um, first day you're up and about, walking about. So I normally just leave the drains in the first day and then usually take them out second day. Uh, and then you go home second day, sometimes third day. So um, definitely one night in hospital, normally two nights in hospital, sometimes three. Two, I would say is normal. And they normally, and the drains come out, come out before you go home. So I don't send people home with the drains. So um good questions Gemma. thank you you see that's why that's why it looked like it was from me because your medical medical sort of questions good what happens if i do that does it just go good yeah can you have a bbl in the oh i missed off uk it's supposed to say uk there oh it does say uk it scrolls okay um question buttock lift i just saw a pic of one in the uk do you do these question mark Please explain the procedure, recovery, etc. Um, we don't do them, and uh, BARPS, the Plastic Surgery Associations, have said we well, are not supposed to do them, or they don't want us to to do them. They're advising us not to do them. So I think if a plastic surgeon um, did one, certainly a BARPS or BAPRAS, which are the two plastic surgery associations, B A A P S. British Association of Aesthetic Plastic Surgeons and BAPRAS, B-A-P-R-A-S, British Association of Plastic Reconstructive and Aesthetic Surgeons. Those are our two associations. And um, if, if a member of BAPRAS or BAPRAS did one, well, I suppose if nothing went wrong, they'd be fine. But if something went wrong and it came up to light that they did it, I think they would be um, looked at badly because we've been advised not to do it. Fact of the matter is, in the UK, lots of people are doing surgery who aren't BAPRAS and BAPRAS members. Um, and so they're not by, bound by what BARPS and BAPRAS say. So I'm sure there are people doing it in the UK um, because there's no sort of law against it. It's just our profession, professional association has advised us not to do it. Uh, I've never done it, so uh, I, and I don't do it, and we don't do it at the clinic. But um, um, so you could probably see one in the UK and probably, probably people are doing it in the UK, but they either aren't plastic surgeons or if they are I imagine they'd be, they'd be keeping a low profile but I'd be surprised if they'd be uh, um, broadcasting the fact they do it because we've been told not to just because there's a high mortality associated with them how does it how, well, there's two ways you do it you do it with implants 
or with fat grafting and the injecting of the fat there's been people who have died because the fat's been inadvertently injected into a blood vessel because there's a lot of big blood vessels around the buttock and then it flies around in your body goes into your heart and then it goes into your lungs and gets lodged in one of the little blood vessels in your lungs and uh, and it can be a cause of death so that's why it's um people are looking into it a bit more in, in the uk so um Gemma says thank you love it lisa c says sorry for the questions at least this is the whole point of the thing is questions that's what i'm doing it for don't say sorry for the questions i wouldn't be doing it if i didn't get questions so thank you for the questions lisa sorry for the questions when do you recommend you start to wear wired bras if ever after augmentation i'm still in sexy compression six uh, no sorry four weeks i i do the um post-op bra uh four weeks post-op and then you can start wearing wired bras sometimes the wire um certainly where where i do i do it with an incision in the inframemory fold with a and it can can annoy a bit the wire of the of the wired bra so um what i say is start wearing a, a non-wired bra at four weeks if you want to some people say look i like the support i'm like okay fine carry on but if you want to go to a non-wired bra because i understand the non-wired bras no wired wired what am i saying the wired bra if you want to go to a wired bra because wired bras are a bit more um slimmer straps and a bit more uh fashionable should we say so if you want to go to a wired bra four weeks you can start if it hurts your scars if it rubs go back to your post-op bra if it doesn't carry on i mean obviously they're not as supportive and you'll probably still have swelling there at four weeks but i always think it's a balance to get back into stuff in life so um yeah four weeks is what i say um behavior. will my pre-existing ear piercings be affected by ear correction will i still be able to put them into its original places after the surgery yes you will so prominent ear correction is uh, is we try and hide the scars when we do a prominent ear correction so we make the scars around the back of the ear the incisions are hid, hidden around the back of the ear and we reshape the cartilage this bit here this is called the um, anti-helical fold this fold in the ear and so if you've got prominent ear, you often don't have that that, that fold so we, we reshape the cartridge to create this fold also this bit here the sort of bowl in the ear is called the conker the conchal bowl you know the conker in lord of the flies that big shell anyway um so that's the conchal bowl so you you have either either or no either and a deep conchal bowl and or a loss of the anti-helical fold so the surgery is involved it involves reshaping the ear, recreating an anti-helical fold, perhaps reducing the conker, the depth of the conker, and setting the ear back closer to the head. So that obviously the ear piercings are, are in the um, are in the lobe. So well, I say obviously. Well, ear piercings in the lobe would be fine. If you've got ear piercings up here um, through the cartilage, then they might actually be affected. Having said that, when I first read this question, I thought no, it'd be fine. Um, but so if you have ear piercings in the cartilage of your ear, higher up in your ear, then we will be dissecting around that. So there'll be scar tissue. So those ear piercing holes will probably um, close up. Actually, good point, actually. It's a good question. Goodness me, I, I responded to that question by saying it'll be fine. But I now I think about it a bit more. If you have ear piercings up here, they will need to be re-pierced. Um, 
Mm, cool. Lisa's going shopping today, tomorrow. Don't go shopping tomorrow, Lisa. See, wait for the sales. Wait for the sales. Maybe get a couple, couple of wired ones. Um, right, what we've got here is we've got a couple of related questions now. Um, this says, would you carry out a tummy tuck on a person who's on the obese range for BMI? For example, I'm five foot three and I'm 13 stone five. I've worked it out. Uh, that's a BMI of just over 33, I, I believe. So um, uh, if you need to work out the BMI, it's kilograms per meter squared is the units. So it's your height, sorry, your weight in kilograms divided by your height in meters squared. It doesn't help when it's, um, you know, height in feet and inches and weight in stone. But anyway, you can get all sorts of um, uh, calculators online and stuff. But anyway, so yeah, it's a bit harsh, I think, the BMI terminology. Yeah, BMI of, of above 30 is is uh, classed as obese. <clears throat> so um, ideally, you would get your BMI below 30. And if you get your BMI below 30 in the 25 to 30 range, then you're just classed as overweight. Woohoo! So you're no longer obese, you're just overweight. So 20, 25 is sort of normal. So um, ideally, you would get your weight below uh BMI below 30 but I do and the reason for this and I'll talk about this in the next question is because your risks and your complicate your risk of complications is higher with a higher BMI but also particularly if you want to lose weight so this is a really critical thing if you want to lose weight then you're always better to um lose weight before having your surgery because if you say, oh, I've got all this weight and I've got this abdominal apron and I can't exercise and I will be able to exercise a lot better once I've had surgery, I totally understand that. But if you have the surgery now, what we do when we do the surgery is we make it as tight as we can. If you then go on and lose weight, you might be left with some redundant skin. So we might have been able to make it tighter if you'd lost weight first. And this is an issue for people who've lost a lot of weight. So people who've lost a lot of weight sometimes put some weight on to take up the slack skin because they feel more comfortable with a bit more weight on because when they have, have lost a lot of weight they have so much empty skin they actually want to put weight on to take up the slack now if you're going to have surgery it's always best to get right down to your ideal weight um, because then we can take all that excess skin off and make it as tight as we can and give you a long lasting result if you have weight fluctuations after surgery it can affect the result the skin can stretch again uh, if you put on weight and if you lose weight, it can sag. So it might affect your result if you have weight fluctuations after surgery. So you really need to be stable and comfortable with your weight before having surgery. And ideally, that would be a BMI less than 30. Now, sometimes we see people who've had a BMI of 40 and they've gone down to 33 and, you know, or 45 and 30. You know, they've basically lost a lot of weight, basically, um, but still got a BMI above 30. And they're like, look, you know what? I'm happy now. I don't want to be lose more weight when i lose more weight my face goes all gaunt and i'm not comfortable i'm comfortable with this weight but it's just this abdominal apron that i hate and then we can have a discussion and say well look you know your bmi is above 30 you have got a higher risk of complications but you know we might have a discussion and take it on anyway and just say look you know if you're not going to lose weight and you certainly don't want to falsely lose weight to have surgery and then put it back on again that would be that'd be foolish so we do sometimes but it's ideally get your weight below 30 if you can Lisa and the Lisa's are rocking the chat. You Lisa's go. You're taking it in turns. Come on, girls. 
would I choose the size breasts I wanted to be reduced to or are there other factors involved in the decision process? Yeah, there are, Lisa, not least of which size, breast size is an absolute nightmare. Um, I pr I mean, I do body, I do, I was going to say I pretty much only do breast, I do breast and body. Um, so I do a lot of breast and cup sizes, goodness me. You know, people can wear different cup sizes, different back sizes, um, as in they can wear... Um, that, that's not very clear what I just said there, is it? So people can wear, so the same person can wear a 34B or a 32C. Yeah. So you wear a smaller back and bigger cup for the same breast. So that person can wear a B cup or a C cup and they, they haven't even done surgery on me yet. So cup size is not a precise thing. It's different with different makes. So cup size is not a precise thing. You can have a view on it by all means. So if you want a breast stretch, you say, look, I want to be this sort of size. And we can take that view on board, but we can never guarantee what your cup size is going to be. Um, because it's unpredictable in terms of cup sizes anyway, we don't have something in theatre that says, look, this is a C cup. Just put it on and, you know, then it cuts to a template. It's unpredictable. But also, when you're doing the surgery, the main part of the surgery is keeping enough blood supply and nerve supply to the nipple. And that carries with it a certain volume. So you have to have a certain volume there to keep the nipple alive. And therefore, the bigger your breasts are before you start, the bigger they are after the reduction. So I'll show you photos of breast reductions. and You can see that they are big. Sometimes they're quite big afterwards, but you've got to look at the before. You know, so the, the thing the, the two things that I guarantee with a breast reduction are one, they'll be reduced. I can't guarantee the size, but they will be reduced and I, they will be reduced significantly. No one's ever said, hold on a minute. Don't have anything done. It's, it's significant. And number two, they'll be lifted. Being, the breast being lifted and being in better shape is part of a breast reduction. But we can't specifically guarantee the size, but it's useful if you have a view on the size to say to us, you know, I want to be around this size. And we say, oh, that sounds reasonable. Or we might say, look, hold on a minute. You're a J cup now and you want to be a C. That's not going to happen. You know, you're not going to drop that much. You're probably going to be a D, double D or something if you're a J, you know. But, um, so you're definitely involved in the decision process, but we can't be too specific about it because it's an art, not a science. Lisa C, right, Lisa N, you're on after this one. So I think I hope you're planning your next uh, question. Um, after a tummy tuck, how long do you recommend you stay? No, anyone can chip in. It's not, not just the Lisa's, but thank you, Lisa's, for chipping. After a tummy tuck, how long do you recommend you stay in compression garments? I am still using 24 hours a day. I had a mummy makeover. Um, Lisa, you better check with your surgeon is the number one thing. I feel a bit awkward giving advice over, you know, about um, stuff who are other people's patients because we've all got our views and, you know, you better go with your surgeon. Um, I do it a month, same as the bra thing, month, day and night. Uh, and then after that, see how you go. You might find that it swells. It probably will swell. Uh, the, the, the things really start to settle about three months. So they won't be settled after a month. There still will be swelling. There still will be weird feelings. Shape probably won't be quite right. Um, but I just think it's a long time to tell someone to wear the compression garments for three months. So I'd say a month, day and night, and then see how you go. If you want to take it off and, you know, not wear it, then that's fine. If you find that it swells up and it's uncomfortable, then you might want to choose to wear it every now and then or even choose to keep wearing it all the time. There's nothing wrong with wearing it past the month. But I say, look, the, the crucial time is the first month, day and night. Um, that's my That's my... Um, 
view on it. What is weird? We done the BMI yet? Last question. Last question that I've got. I feel like you know, Antiques Roadship. I've got, I've got interest on the books. So the last bid on the books is here. But obviously, if there's anyone out there who's got a question, then please do ask it. Reasons for refusing surgery. We had a lady in the group last night asking why she'd been refused surgery at BMI of 39. Can you please talk about reasons for refusing surgery? So, yeah, I always, I, I always feel it's interesting and it's interesting because you know we're dealing with stuff in the private sector um and you might think oh private sector paying for it if i want a tummy tuck i'll have a tummy tuck if i want a breast reduction i'm probably paying for it and i'll get a point you know whatever to be honest with you whether it's private or whether it's nhs we are doctors treating patients and we are trying to give patients the best advice and treat them in the best way and sometimes the best way to treat people is not to do surgery in their best interest and we're always trying to do things in your best interest so whenever this sort of situation happens with me i always try to have a um sort of um a work working together sort of attitude rather than a conflict attitude i want to say look we're both on the same side here we want to get what's right for you and it's not a question of we're refusing have you surgery you know not refusing surgery i'm saying i'm telling you what the best course of treatment is which may not involve surgery you know it might involve weight loss or something else and so the problem is with the BMI of 39, your risks are high. You are going to get a complication, to be honest with you. You are going to get a complication. And oh, I can't remember what surgery this was actually. Was it a tummy tuck? Um, anyway, whatever surgery, you know, it's again, we're talking probably about the bigger surgeries here. We're not talking about mole removal. Um, and so, uh, and when you're doing these bigger surgeries, tummy tucks, breast reductions, mastopexies, you're complications can be significant and the reason that we say to people look you're better on not having surgery is because we've seen the complications and it's horrible when you have a complication and um so it may be that you're better you might think oh, i just want to get rid of this tummy or the breast or whatever but if you have a complication it's really bad and it may be in your best interest not to have surgery and to lose weight and if you can't lose weight maybe you shouldn't have surgery. Similarly with smoking. A lot of people say, oh, hold on a minute, you got it in for smokers, that's um, discrimination against smokers, and because they have a go at it when the NHS said we're not going to operate on smokers, oh, I pay my taxes, that's terrible, you've got it in for smokers. No one's got it in for anyone. You know, and again, even if you're paying for it, smoking reduces the blood supply to your skin. It's a vasoconstrictor. It's, the nicotine is a vasoconstrictor. It reduces the blood supply to your skin. Every time you smoke, you reduce the blood supply to your skin 
and you reduce the wound healing. Your wounds will not heal as well if you're a smoker. If you're having body contouring surgery, facelift, breast lift, tummy tuck, any of these sorts of surgeries, the skin is closed really tight. It's closed really tight. If that skin doesn't heal up properly and if the wounds open up, it's being, you know, because it's closed so tight, if it opens up, it can be really bad. I don't want to bring a downer on it and I don't want to worry people, but smoking increases the risk. The only really big problems I've seen have been in smokers. Now, that's not to say all smokers get problems because you always say, like, my granddad smoked 100 a day and he lived to be, you know, 102 and he had a operation when he was 90 and he healed with no problem you know there's always examples of people and then you know my uncle is used to go to the gym all the time was really fit and he got an infection or whatever you know there's always examples of people who smoke and have been fine and people who don't smoke who've had problems so i'm not saying that you will get a problem if you smoke or if you're overweight but you're increasing your risk of problems and so it might be that the best course of treatment is to stop smoking and if you can't stop smoking then it might be better not to have surgery. That's how I try and put it. Uh, and it's not about money. It's not about, oh, I'm paying for it. It's, you know, you're, you're paying for an opinion from a doctor. And again, it comes back to what I said earlier about the satisfaction guarantee. If we get into that situation and we don't do, and we don't offer you surgery or can't offer you surgery, or, you know, then we will refund your consultation fee because I understand that uh, if you come wanting an operation and we don't or won't do it, then then that's fine we'll refund that consultation fee but we're just trying to give you the best advice we're not trying to refuse anyone's surgery or or um or or be um uh, discriminatory against people who are overweight or people who smoke or whatever we're just trying to weigh up the balance between the risks and the benefits and if the risks are significant it may be that the best bet is to reduce those risks um before considering surgery so that is why so and it's and it's always a bit like oh they refuse it it's, it's better to be sort of conciliatory rather than conflict you know we're in it together we're trying to get the best result for you and the best result for you might be maybe to think about having surgery next year or the year after try and get some help with the weight and the smoking and all sorts of things particularly smoking because you often put on weight when you give up smoking so um Lisa C says, brilliant. Thank you, Lisa. Um, Gemma says, what type of pain relief is prescribed after a tummy tuck? I all look, Gemma. Gemma's getting all medical here. Um, Gemma, if you've got a view, um, well, again, with me, every, people have their own regimes, I'm sure. Um, but um, And if you've got a view and you think some painkillers work well for you, then, then, then we'll do that. Um, but basically... The types of painkillers is basically you've got your opiates. So during the surgery, you've got things like morphine. Uh, after the surgery, you've got things like your cocodamol and codidromol, you know, your codeine type ones. Um, personally, I don't like the codeine ones, personally, uh, because they can have side effects. They're very good painkillers. And if you're in pain and you need them, then absolutely fine. You have them. But one of the side effects of uh, the codeine is it can constipate you. And constipate after a tummy tuck, can you imagine it? not good they can also make you feel dizzy they can make you feel sick they can make you um feel feel a bit wobbly so um i don't particularly like codeine based painkillers too much the opiate types i prefer things like paracetamol don't knock it um 
people think, what paracetamol? I haven't got a headache. I've had a blooming tummy tuck. Come on, paracetamol is a very good painkiller. And uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, things like ibuprofen. Um, uh, obviously, you've got to be a bit careful with your stomach, so take the ibuprofen with meals. So I go ibuprofen and paracetamol. Uh, a lot of times with a tummy tuck, if you bend more, you take some tension off. Hopefully, the pain isn't too bad. If it is, then we can go to the co-codamols and co-dygenols or codeine-type ones uh, if the pain is bad. But if you are taking the codeine ones, or even if you're not, to be honest, try and keep yourself regular. Drink plenty of water, fresh fruit and veg, you know, um, is it figs and um, kiwi fruit and things like that. Keep yourself regular because you don't want to give yourself another problem because the, the constipation can be worse than the pain. So just, I would say, be aware of codeine-based painkillers because they can cause constipation. But as I say, if you think, oh, I like or not like, but, you know, codeine phosphate works well with me with paracetamol or proximal or coditamol or whatever, then we'll be open to, to it if you've got a view on it. But that's the sort of normal regime in my practice, Gemma. What's going on? Right. That was the last question. I'm out. Uh, I've got no more bids on the books. Reasons for using surgery was my last one. Thank you for all the participants today, the two Lisas, Gemma, um, anyone else who knows me. Uh, I am, if if we're all done, any other, any other bids? Any bids? No more bids. I'm going to be selling, selling, going, going. So I'm going to check out, basically. I'm checking myself out. Oh, God, Khan's just said, have a lovely Christmas. This is it before Christmas, guys. God, sorry. Have a, a happy Christmas. Oh, man, I should have been wearing my... I haven't thought this through at all. I should be wearing my Christmas jumper, shouldn't I? Sorry. It's Christmas, guy. I can't... Can, is it me? Is it next week? It's next week. Oh, my Lord. So listen, guys, I'm off next week. What's it? Christmas Eve. No way. I'll be watching Elf. And I suspect you to do the same in Christmas Eve this time next week. Week after that, is that going to be New Year's Eve as well? I'm going to be partying out in the centre of Birmingham. Yeah, New Year's Eve. You just watch me. <sighs> you bet. So next two weeks, I'm going to be um, living it up. So whatever the third week is after that, I will see you then. But feel free to ask questions if I can get calendar up. And I will answer them in the meantime. And 7th of January, isn't it? I will ask them in the meantime, and I'll have a bumper extravaganza on the 7th. Massively looking out, looking forward to it. Lisa C, have a great Christmas, and thank you for asking the questions. Uh, be nothing without you. I'll just be sitting, sat here on my own. Um, Gemma, thank you. Merry Christmas, and hope you're not working over the festive period, Gemma, you know, because the hospitals don't stop, do they? They keep going. Assuming you work in the hospital, it could be community, but anyway um joe's in joe merry happy christmas you could have just said joe merry christmas but um yeah anyway no it doesn't work there does it actually no not my one it looks anyway happy christmas to you joe and good bit of a meet there and loving it mr and mrs claus um so happy christmas everyone sorry i didn't be more festive do you expecting festivities mm. yeah anyway too late now I'll see you in the new year, 7th of January. Be there, right here. Get your questions in. Thank you all. The two Lisas, the Gemma, and everyone else who knows me. 
thank you all for your questions and have a lovely evening have a peaceful christmas and a prosperous new year good night oh, sorry good night now sorry have a question not covered in today's show then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.